of all Champions League goalkeepers I've seen, and Carrius included, what about the fellow in the goal for Villarreal? Carrius included is the worst thing any Liverpool <laughs> fan can say. That's the harshest. Well, Carrius was hopeless, wasn't he? OTB AM, live, weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. OTB AM. With Gillette, get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Sarah O'Donovan is here. How are you getting on? I'm delighted to say that I have good news to report about Cork Hurling. Cork Hurling is back. Cork City, we understand, is also back. Absolutely hopping yesterday at lunch. Lads drinking pints of Guinness. And I believe it was firmly down to the hurling. It has to be. Like, does, does Cork City as a whole just get this massive bounce off even one win for the Cork Hurlers? I cannot explain it. The city was absolutely bouncing yesterday. And you see trains being put on today, extra trains to Thurless. Tickets being sold at a rate of knots. People just love hurling and they and they make no bones about it. They're really happy that they've turned it around. Six weeks ago, you know, losing to Waterford. Two horrible performances since. And then Sunday, they give that performance and all of a sudden we're back in it. And where did that come from? Kieran Kingston said he doesn't know. He said <laughs> if he could bottle it, he would. Nobody knows. But it was just... The likes of Connolly Han really epitomised the performance, you know, getting back, getting the hook on, um, real urgency to get back. The likes of Mark Coleman, like pacing, pelting back to, to get ball, to, to kind of support their team. And Patrick Collins didn't look exposed the last day. There were six, eight players getting between the goal and the man. You know, the Waterford lads didn't have the space. Then the half forward line, you know, Seamus Harnedy, five points. Like, yeah, he's immense. Yeah, I, I loved his interview after because that's, you know, I know Nathan Murphy was asking me about Corkness and like Seamus Harnedy being like, how dare you consider that we were outsiders? Like that's Corkness after three horrible performances to come back with that kind of uh, response. It, it does suggest that maybe all the negativity around them was something that they did tap into, that they read, that they listened to and channeled it into something positive at the weekend. You'd hope so, because, you know, all, all anyone is looking for is the level of work rate and the commitment that other teams regularly show. Like Kilkenny continuously show work rate, even if the performances aren't technically good enough to win games. Nobody questions that. But with Cork, it's always technically good enough, but don't have the heart, don't have the commitment. And at a certain point, you have to go, right, why am I here? You know, why am I turning in the process continuously? Why aren't I showing up on the day? And I suppose... For, for Cork fans to see that finally on Sunday was due time. Like, the, Go ahead. I was just thinking, well, we all had them as All-Ireland contenders. So mm. then when we first seen these performances over the last few weeks, you're wondering, what's going on here? It's not that they don't have the talent or, you know, the, the management there. Like, they, they have it all, but it's, it's just not clicking. So sometimes, as Owen said, when you have these defeats and people are putting them down and... You know, you, you get that bit of hunger and fight in you to say, look, we need to sort this out because they, they can do it. They prove time and time again. Last chance saloon again, though, for the likes of Conor Leanne. You know, he was out of the panel last year, brought back into the panel this year. That game was a do or die game for him and he stood up again. You know, he's like Lazarus. He just won't go away, you know. So certainly for a couple of players like that, I think, who felt another straight poor performance would have been the end of them and they weren't coming back from that so certainly last 70 minutes and they put it all on the line There was a switch in the game plan most obviously as well just a very simple direct style that uh, I think the opposite of that was highlighted so much especially in the Limerick game on the first weekend of the Munster Hurling Championship like is that the new cork now is it just did they really feel that the first couple weeks just didn't work and now they've just thrown um, the baby out with the bathwater tactically anyway and it's and it's worked 
Yeah, well, look, Liam Cahill said afterwards that Waterford weren't direct enough and that's why the likes of Desi Hutchison didn't get on ball. You know, so it Cork flipped it. You know, Waterford were incredibly direct in the league final, got loads of scores out of it. Cork did the same. Alan Connolly is so robust inside there. You know, he's such, he, he's so hard to manage. Why wouldn't you give him ball? Uh, Tim O'Mahony, a couple of weeks ago, I was saying, lads, Tim O'Mahony's a forward, out and out. And it was a real frustration that he, they were allowing him to play wing back or, or not necessarily allowing him, forcing him to play wing back. You know, the lad is a, he's, he's a gold merchant. You know, he's, he's so good at cutting through, through the centre. Why waste him back there chasing after lads who love doing the exact same as he loves to do? So even that flip, you know, on 40 minutes to bring him in, a different target man, a different option. It, it was class. Like I find this really interesting now because as, as Ashling said this is a team that got uh, an All-Ireland final last year this is a team that was in the league final like it felt they underperformed in the first couple of weeks it, like it, it doesn't feel to me as if like the ideas of this Cork management are all bad it doesn't feel like everything that they've thought about before last weekend is all bad so there must have been some sort of rationale to Tim O'Mahony playing at the back for example it obviously worked really well throwing him into the forwards at the weekend but you'd wonder where they tried to go for like uh, last year's version of Kyle Hayes a little bit with, with, with Tim O'Mahony at halfback potentially Well you know what it wasn't working and they stubbornly kept at it for three games and we yeah. were exhausted mm-hmm. saying lads like if you're being told it's not working don't you know cement your boots and, and not move out of the spot and that was probably the most frustrating thing about the Cork management setup was like why are you playing Mark Coleman at centre back when he evidently is not a centre back he goes back into wing back the last day and he's so comfortable and he's urgent and he wants to be there why were they playing lads out of position? Luke Mead hadn't seen game time for, you know, since last year, since last year's All-Ireland final. And then he's parachuted back into midfield the last day and is expected to perform and does. It must be incredibly frustrating for the likes of Luke Mead to sit on the sidelines and then get parachuted back in and have to turn the switch. That's a confidence thing that I that I really, I'm really impressed by the likes of Luke for he was brilliant. so young. Yeah, but like he, he was in he was in the stand practically you know he, he just wasn't in contention at all and three games later he's parachuted back in and expected to do a job so fair play to Luke for, for showing up again for Cork having had to sit there you know in the cold for so long You mentioned Waterford not getting the most out of their forwards the likes of Niall O'Leary Sean O'Donoghue had brilliant games at the back is, is it much down to them as, as it is down to, to what Waterford tried to do? It was, was organisation though it was that Dara Fitz and Luke Mead in the middle were breaking up so much ball that the backs had so much time to be able to get organised. And I know um, the lads on Sunday game highlighted touch tight. You know, the, the Cork lads were literally touch tight, whereas in the Clare game, when it wasn't on the TV, it was so obvious that Cork lads were too far away. They were five, six yards away. They were social distancing. Like, it just was a waste of time. The last day, every man was standing next to, to his opponent and you know that means you can do so much more so even that change in mindset mm-hmm. was so good for Cork and it was such a small thing and you're going if I was on the sideline you know that's what I'd be roaring touch tight and when they broke then I thought the overlap was so impressive their support play there was always one two Cork lads there and that's how their, their second goal especially um, was, was brilliant because there was maybe four or five of them involved in it and they were off the shoulder seeing the man inside you know, it, it was impressive to see that, which I hadn't seen, I suppose, as much of that. In but if you consider games. that Tim O'Mahony starts that run, if Tim O'Mahony is at wing back, he's starting those runs too early and he doesn't have the support. So if he's starting the runs from half forward and he's got James Harvey coming in and then he's got Shane Kingston and Alan Connolly's on the end, that's where Tim O'Mahony needs to be making his runs because that's how direct he is. So again, 
pity we had to wait three games to to see that. And like Tim came on injured, like his finger was heavily strapped. You have to admire these guys for throwing their bodies on the line again the last day of the season practically for them you know to, to get another day out mm. it, it is really interesting the, the kind of whole psychology of the performance as well as you say the, the kind of season on the line stuff and it's season on the line stuff this weekend as well like so many teams question when it comes down to the to the high pressure scenario that they, they do crumble Like, are you starting to see that the opposite is becoming true of Cork a little bit oh, lads one, one swallow doesn't make a summer yeah. but <laughs> But, you know, from Tip's point of view, Noel McGrath's interview after their loss to Limerick, he was so incredibly disappointed. You know, I thought that Tip team looked really, really polished for 50-55 minutes against Limerick. And, and I think they're, they won't want Cork to go through, regardless of what happens, regardless of whether Waterford beat Clare. Tip are absolutely gunning for Cork. So, you know, this is probably the hardest one now for Cork. The I, I would say... Cork losing to Tip would be worse than Cork losing to Waterford. Because <laughs> you <laughs> to be hate honest. Tip. Yeah. <laughs> but, but even from the point of view of, you know, going, going to the well, yeah. getting that performance against Waterford and then not being able to back it up against True. Tip who are essentially, you know, on their way out. I wouldn't, well, I wouldn't even be too worried for, for Tipperary at the moment. You know, a lot of people were saying after some of their performances, where are they at? And uh, they've lost a few players, the more experienced players, a lot of young blood coming through. Yes, I suppose at this present moment they're they're not where they used to be, but uh, I think it, it's positive for them in in you know, years to come. They've there a lot of the young lads coming through, and their performance against Limerick was uh, something to talk about. So, yeah, I, I do think they they put up a good game, but I think Cork would be. You would like to think. You would like to think, <laughs> but we never think anymore. <laughs> it's you just 18, don't know. We're eighteen years without a without a title. You know, like. That's a long time in sport. Uh, is that, but is that actually something that those people drinking pints in Cork City yesterday were thinking? It's like, we're back. We can actually contend for this All-Ireland. I, I think that they know that the group of players is there who are skillful enough and technically, you know, able enough. But I just don't know if, if the fight is there. And that's what everyone is hoping that the, the, the commitment and hunger is there. Mm. Is that it, though? Is that the only gap in your view between Cork and Ultimate Glory? I think we'd need a couple of those Limerick lads to stay on the bench that were on the bench the last day as well like Aaron Glan Keane Lynch uh, Peter Casey sitting up in the stand for Limerick the last day there's just so many superstars for Limerick is yeah. the problem that's, that's the thing I suppose this Cork team you know ha- has come up alongside a team that is fundamentally solid in, in every aspect of its play and they're able to switch Kyle Hayes from wing back to, to full forward centre forward you know uh, those moves this year have really helped Limerick again and, and they've even galvanised them further. So Cork can go as far as Galway and Kilkenny can go, but I don't know if anyone can actually take Limerick's crown. A three in a row, let's, you know, like mm-hmm. Limerick aren't Limerick aren't naive. They know what they're they know what they're about this year and it's definitely doing the treble. Because mm. Justin McCarthy was making the point that he reckons there was a, a golfing class between the two games that we saw at the weekend, in, between the Cork game and and the, the cracking game between Limerick and Clare. Is that, is, is that what you think as well? That there's there's almost a top two in Munster at the moment? Like, we should accept here that like things have changed so quickly where we were saying there's a top two in Munster, nobody's going to get close to Waterford or Limerick. Yes. They're the top two in Ireland. And now all of a sudden I'm asking you, are Clare and Limerick the top two in Munster? So this is a very fleeting thing, but on the evidence of, of last Sunday, is, is that the reality? 
if I'm being very honest, I enjoyed the Limerick Clare game more than I enjoyed the Cork Waterford game. Maybe it's a lack of, or there's a discomfort in watching your own team. I'm play. sure you hated watching Cork. Yeah, you yeah. Should, like I mean, the season on the line stuff. So. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like one sixteen to one fifteen going down, the, you know, going down the straight, and and you're thinking Cork are going to fold here. So, from from point of view in Limerick and Clare. I, I did think there was more aggression there. I did think there was more intensity. There is, a, there was a better standard in that game, and I suppose the scores were the scores were better in that game. You know, it wasn't as it wasn't as loose because a lot of the scores in the Cork and Waterford game were quite loose. You know, Patrick Collins gets a score from his own twenty. Um, we didn't see that same mm-hmm. fluidity. Bar Garrow Tegarty's obviously little canter up the sideline there early on a nice loose score from a from a turnover, but it was certainly much more aggressive. And then Clare. Peter Duggan wasn't really in the mix the last day, so you're you're thinking Clare certainly have kind of more, I suppose, uh, more ammunition than Cork and Waterford. And they have a level to get to even above what we yeah, saw at the weekend. They absolutely do. They absolutely do. And like Tony Kelly, lads, he was unmarkable. And I and I suppose that's that's the other thing. You know, there was two big talking points: Garrod Hagerty and Austin Gleeson, and and how they were involved with the referee. And there was the sense that you know, reputationally, is that attracting them to referees and then you know it was suggested that Austin Gleeson was being targeted by the Cork lads um, you know to get to get yellow cards and stuff but I'm like how come nobody ever targets Tony Kelly you know he scores at 16 points but you know he's the one who doesn't get involved and, and I think that's something that kind of shows the difference between the Tony Kelly's and the Austin Gleeson's and the Garrett Hagerty's in terms of uh, attracting attention. But is, it, is there a point in that in the, the Tony Kelly temperament versus the Austin Gleeson temperament? Who would I rather have on my team? Mm. But I, mm. Yeah. And like, is there at the weekend you've no sympathy for Austin Gleeson? Um, no. No. I don't. I genuinely don't. The second yellow, no. Um, no. No. Look, the there's if if I didn't see Tony Kelly's performance afterwards, Austin Gleeson has an opportunity every game. He's that skillful to to stay out of stay out of the handbags and and you know kind of stay out around the middle of the park when things get when things get messy. And he always always chooses conflict, <laughs> and that's so incredibly uh, obvious. So and even when he's on a yellow, they know he's on a yellow. So what does? another team do they they target that you know and as you said it's his own fault that he's on that yellow and he's put himself in that situation but they know then so they try their very best to step out yeah step out you know you've been in situations where and I've been in situations where I should have stepped out and I didn't step out you know if you if reputationally if you have a reputation for for getting involved and the game is on the line Step out for your team. I think as well, uh, Tony Kelly obviously has. So it was Tommy Welch on with us last month, I think, talking about the, the initial Austin Gleason red card. And he was saying DJ Carey had a great way of just pointing to his uh, man and looking at the scoreboard sort of thing after he'd be taunted and, and wound up a little bit. And that was his reaction to it. And Tony Kelly can obviously do that. He, he knows that he, he can't get wound up. Like, is that constantly the problem now for, for Liam Cahill and Waterford to try and, I guess, train Austin Gleeson in that way to, to, to try and get him into that mindset as well because he can do damage in the scoreboard as well let's not forget it's not about training him it's Austin Gleeson is you know 10 years down the line now he's he's no longer a fresh bio like he's he's well he's well tuned into what the game requires and I think Liam Gall's in a very difficult position because every 
team needs Austin Gleeson because of what he can do on the scoreboard. But not every team needs him for the lack of discipline. And, you know, I think that it ultimately comes down to whether Austin wants to be on the pitch or not. And in order to stay on the pitch, he needs to avoid the conflict. Where is Tony Kelly in terms of the hurlers of his generation? Is, is He is going to go down as probably the best of, of this generation, right? Like if you said that maybe TJ was the, the, the top of the pile a couple of years ago, like Tony seems like he's top of the pile at this point. And then you've obviously got a collection of Limerick players, take your pick sort of thing. I agree. Um, I suppose Tony was uh, Tony has been phenomenal in a team that was under the radar, right? Uh, and, but he has always been exceptional. Whereas this Limerick team has had five or six guys who have been, you know, uh, continuously performing to a level. Um, I don't know if those guys would have necessarily performed as well as Tony Kelly has in the Clare jersey if 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 they had kind of limiting circumstances around them. So I think definitely Tony. Tony is Joe Canning is TJ Reid is Henry Shefflin mm. you know yeah, that's, that's where he is in the and, and because of his discipline you know like let's be honest Henry Shefflin and, and Tony Kelly's temperament would be very very similar you know they, they very rarely get drawn in and, and that's to their team's benefit and it kind of yeah. feels as well that like he only really hit top gear at the weekend like the first day out when like in, before the first game against Tip there was a lot of people in Clare saying keep an eye on Clare this year I, w- I wasn't sure whether or not to believe it because I don't think anybody really considered they were going to be in the top three for Munster this year I called them in the first championship game sorry on. somebody did call them sorry somebody <laughs> did call them. It, it, other, other, other than Ashley O'Reilly you, you had James and you had, you had Dale old, uh, talking but them you up didn't know. naturally mm-hmm. yeah um, and I think we were kind of surprised by the manner of that win on the first day of the season but more surprising than that was the fact that Tony Kelly of course was was central to it but he wasn't the team he felt like the team the last couple of seasons and, yeah. and all of a sudden Claire have not only found out how to get the best out of him which was the first thing that Lohan seemed to do when he when he came in but also try and utilise him for the greater good of the team as well hugely so but for Peter Back- Peter Duggan Shane O'Donnell uh, Dave McInerney I love Dermot Ryan at wing back lads if if I could bottle him and bring him to court <laughs> that's what I would be doing he <laughs> is class and it, it, it's just that he knows exactly what a wing back should be and, and he is so young like that team has quality peppered all the way through um, so the court game probably showed that for me more than the other games because I got to see it obviously up close and personal and, and see how how poor and ordinary they made Cork look and that's why the Waterford result was more surprising for me from a Cork point of view because they were so ordinary in my eyes you know because of what Clare did to them mm. I think watching the Limer clare game I just thought if anyone has never seen Hurling before or doesn't know anything about Hurling they need to watch <laughs> this like, it was just one of those games where I just sat back and was like jeez you know it sort of takes you back a bit like the skill level Yes, we've seen it time and time again, but well, it, everything seemed to go right. And like it was first touch was always on point. The scores, the the movement, it was just it was a really good game of hurling. Can I just say as well that uh, obviously somebody, some people are watching us this morning on YouTube uh, for Premier League reaction. And Damien has commented saying, love this. But being English, I haven't got a clue what they're talking about. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, <laughs> clearly, it's not just the sport itself. It's also the chats around it. How, how do you call this weekend? Like, and I, I mean, are Waterford done? Waterford have a sliver of hope in that tip will do everything in their power to make sure that Cork won't go through. They can qualify like tip in (laughs) fairness like it's Look realistically if you're if you're Clare you're not starting Tony Kelly this weekend you're you know you're not starting 
maybe Peter Duggan. You know, you're you're looking at your twenty nineteen to twenty three. Those those four or five players who need game time, and you have an opportunity to do that here. Like Brian Lowen would be very silly to put clear out for a fourth week in a row and then expect them to be able to perform at that level again in a Munster final. So I am not saying they're going to throw the game, but what I am saying is that they are going to use the opportunity to blood players, which could afford Waterford an opportunity to win the game um, comfortably and tip, regardless of what happens, will absolutely not allow Cork to go through if they can help it at all. So tip Cork the game to watch? Yeah. Yeah. What about Leinster? Who's, who are you calling in that? I don't think there's a there's there's a gulf now here between um, Kilkenny, Galway, and the rest. Yeah. And and I'm very honest in that. Like Dublin, for all of their promise in the league, you just cannot deal with the intensity of Dublin or of Kilkenny. They just can't. Like mm-hmm. uh, just one other thing we wanted to touch on just before we wrap up is the Munster Camogie final last weekend. We had extra extra time. We go into the All Ireland Championship. Uh, this weekend the Sarah Donovan Derby is a few weeks away at uh, Cork versus Dublin I think it's the June Bank holiday weekend uh, were you at this game the, the Cork Clare game the weekend? Uh, no actually I was at a wedding I was right. at Castle <laughs> but um, Saturday evening in Parky Rin so was able to watch it on YouTube this is the beauty of it I was able to watch Kilkenny and Dublin on the way down in the car um, and then I was able to watch Cork and Clare so kudos to the Camogie Association because genuinely every game has been live on YouTube for the last two years so I've missed nothing it's been brilliant uh, brilliant about the Cork and Clare game is I had seen Clare play tip in the precursor to the Clare Cork game in the hurling right um, so I was like Jesus Clare up for this you know against tip and it was a surprise that they had beaten tip in the Munster semi-final so they went into the Cork game and I was thinking Oof, well, like Cork should be you know six eight points better than, than Clare and Cork found themselves down twice and had to come back from the brink you know on, on full time and extra time before finally pulling away in double-double extra time. So Clare have done a massive amount of work this year, really, really organised, found three or four players. And I suppose they're now, like their hurling counterparts, you know, very much in the mix because Tip would have been considered top four. And I'm wondering whether Tip were taking, you know, I suppose taking their time through the league and the first rounds of the Munster Championship so that they'd be ready for the All-Ireland or whether this Clare team has just found form. It was brilliant to see Claire. Sorry, just say it's been so long to see them mm. at this standard. Yeah. No, it was really great to see. And a funny thing about it as well, it Davy Fitz's son, uh, Colm, he's a selector. On the and then obviously you have Davy then with, with the Cork. So I'd say that was hilarious in their household, knowing knowing Davy. But the influence as well of Davy with Cork, you know, I think at the start of the season he had said, I'll commit to one season one train in a week. And now he's like at three trainings a week, you know, and I think you can see that as well, you know, in their play and they, they're they believing in it. They're just a bit unlucky in that they, they've had a couple of players kind of move away, the likes of Hannah Looney and, yeah. and they, I watched Kilkenny the last day and Kilkenny are a juggernaut, you know, they, they really have a point to prove and they have a core group there, like technically so good that they made Dublin look very ordinary. You cannot fault Dublin's commitment and work rate, but technically Dublin just aren't there and that's why they're 13 points worse than Kilkenny so I think towards the end of the season you'll see the same kind of three four teams again in the championship despite the inroads that other teams are making it's Cork it's Galway it's Kilkenny and either Tip or Clare now by the look of it 
So you have that as a, as a three at the top, Galway, Kilkenny, Cork. Yeah, okay. absolutely. No question. Right. Very good. Sarah, great stuff. Thanks, Thanks many for popping in. Worries. Good luck to Cork this weekend. Sarah Donovan there with us in studio. OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. OTBAM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.